Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hi, everyone. I am here to bring you week number six in our great series that's called Jesus as we walk through the book of Mark. It's very exciting. It's been so good. And I just love that we can walk through this book together and spend so much time in this beautiful gospel. It is my favorite, as I mentioned before. And uh, we've been to some beautiful places. I started the series and we began talking about the authority of Jesus and how Mark was painting a picture of Christ's authority and what that means in our own lives as well as what it meant for the Roman mind. And then we heard a message on Jesus the forgiver, then Jesus the healer, Jesus the protector, Jesus the merciful. And to this point, our topics have focused on the good things Jesus provides for us. But now our series takes a turn as we see Jesus not as the one who provides, but as the one who endures for us. Today, we look at Jesus the rejected. And we must understand that Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin that allowed us to have connection to God rather than to be rejected as a result of our wrongdoing. See, the thing about rejection is that it is very relatable for all of us. And when we think about rejection, we think about how we can avoid it. In fact, we're powerfully motivated by the fear of rejection. And so we will do things that we would not normally do in normal circumstances in order to avoid rejection. This becomes very present in the lives of adolescents who do what they think will bring them acceptance, even if it's crazy. People will go to great lengths to avoid rejection. Why is that? I think it's because other complications, other difficulties, other hardships seem far less painful than rejection. In fact, as I was reading, I discovered from experts that social rejection, which is, you know, the loss of relationship, increases anger, increases anxiety, depression, jealousy, and even sadness. And so there is no doubt that rejection causes an acute kind of suffering. It's cuts linger. They're like wounds that splinter and go into many directions. Rejection lodges itself deep into the memory, altering the way we see our situations, the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, and even the way that we see God. In other words, when you face rejection, it can have lasting impact and effect on your life. There's many people who have suffered with rejection, and as a result, they will no longer even attempt things that they could possibly do, achieve, and even do well at because of the the bad past experience. And so, one thing that I want to share with you right off the top is that Jesus was no stranger to rejection. He experienced rejection. He experienced it from family members. In fact, in John 7, it tells us that his own brothers didn't even believe that he was the Messiah. He experienced rejection from his community. His hometown completely rejected him. In fact, that's our story today. He was also rejected from the people who claimed to love him. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. All of the disciples abandoned him. And he even 
experienced rejection from his father. On the cross, when Jesus took on the sin of the world, when he took on your sin and my sin, the father looked away in his holiness. And and that was because that's part of the penalty of sin to be separated from God the father. And so Jesus cries out in Matthew, why have you forsaken me, my God? You see, the truth is rejection was real for Jesus. And I want us to learn how he dealt with it. And I want us together to learn how we can overcome rejection in our own lives. We're not going to avoid rejection, but we can learn how to be successful even through it. So I want to take you now to our story. So we're going to look at Mark chapter six today. And as we do, we're going to start in verse one and uh, just read a couple of verses here. They'll come up on the screen behind me. And as we read them, we're, we're going to continue to learn from uh, this great passage. So it says here uh, in Mark chapter six, verse one, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Verse two, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. And look at this next part. It says, they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So I want to pause there for just a moment. See, what was happening here is Jesus returned to his hometown and he began to preach with power. Not only did he show up to his hometown, but he showed up as a rabbi. And when he showed up as a rabbi, he had his disciples with him. And so all of a sudden, people begin to look around and say, hold on a second, where do you get this wisdom? Where do you get this power to perform such miracles? We've heard, and now he's here. But then verse three, it begins to shift even further. It says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. Now, you have to understand that these aren't just words on a page. There's meaning behind them. And when they scoffed and said, he's just a carpenter, what they were actually saying is they were making a derogatory statement about his employment and about his lack of learning as a rabbi. So he shows up as a rabbi and they say, you're not a rabbi, you're just a carpenter. In fact, you've never studied under a rabbi. Why would you be a rabbi yourself? You have no theological training or background, whatever. Like this is what they were saying. And then they go, and the verse goes on to say, they also then called him the son of Mary. Now we don't really see too much about that, but you have to understand they don't mention his father. And it was disrespectful to label someone by their mother and not by their father, even if their father had passed away. There was this sense that Joseph died early. And and so he wasn't really around much. He's not mentioned other places than in the early story of Jesus's birth and so on. So he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. That's what they go on to say. And his sisters live right here among us. And then then it goes on to say they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Deeply offended and refused to believe in him. You know, it's interesting that this was their choice. Their choice was the decision not to believe. It wasn't even just a question. It was a choice. It wasn't that they doubted or were unsure It was a choice. They were deeply offended and refused 
to believe in him. So Jesus responds to their rejection. And let's look at these next verses so that we can learn a little bit about how Jesus responded to their rejection. And then we'll apply that, okay? A little bit to our own lives. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own family. What Jesus is saying here is, listen, you're rejecting me, but I'm asserting that I'm a prophet. And more than that, I'm honored everywhere except here. Everywhere I go, I'm honored. And it's interesting that what Jesus is saying is in your own hometown, among your relatives, and in, and in his own family. Those are the places where he said, I'm not honored. And I want you to see those circles. They're getting more and more narrow. His hometown, among his, fam- his relatives, and in his own family. It just gets tighter. He's saying, the closer that you are to me, the more contempt that you might have for me. Isn't that interesting? He said, because you think you know something about me, you feel as though you know everything about me. And that's simply not true. And because of their unbelief, verse five says, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. And then the next verse is, I'm going to break it into two parts. We're going to look at the first part first. He says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. It's interesting that they were amazed at first at his teaching. And now he's amazed at their unbelief. This is really quite powerful. You see, Jesus only really marveled. That's what another version of this verse says, that he marveled at their unbelief. But Jesus only marveled at two things, the unbelief of the Jewish uh, people and the faith of the Gentiles. Those are the two things that Jesus marveled at. We never read that Jesus marveled at art or architecture, or even the wonders of creation. He never marveled at human ingenuity or invention. He didn't marvel at the piety of the Jewish people or the military dominance of the Roman empire. No, Jesus marveled at faith. And this is interesting. He marveled at faith when it was present in an unexpected place and when it was absent where it should have been. Isn't that interesting? And now, I told you I was going to break the verse into two parts. We've read Mark 6, 6a, and this is the moment where it all flips. Mark 6, 6b. In fact, in my Bible and probably in yours, this is in the next section down. The verse is split in half. They're looking at this as a different section, but this is a continuation of the same verse. And it says, then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And, and so this is really key. This is really important because what we see is Jesus is unfazed by their rejection. And how is it? How did Jesus continue unfazed by rejection? So I want to spend just a few moments talking with you about this. And the first thing is really important. The reason why Jesus was unfazed by rejection is because he knew his identity You see, what rejection attempts to do is to exchange a healthy label for an unhealthy one. You might feel rejected by a spouse and you move from feeling loved to feeling unlovable. You see, there's a new label that's now been placed as a result of rejection. You might feel rejected by friends and you might move from feeling that you belong to feeling that I am alone, right? 
You, you might be rejected by your boss and move, you'll move from feeling valuable to feeling worthless. So the enemy would love to use rejection to rename you. He'd love to take those good things in your life and, 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 and force you into a place of rejection that then relabels you with stuff like unlovable and worthless and all alone. And then he wants to prey on that vulnerable place. But this didn't work on Jesus because he was deeply rooted in his identity as the son of the father that loved him. I want to take you back to where I opened up the series in Mark chapter one, because Jesus chose to identify with us in baptism. And so he was baptized in water. And when he came up out of the water, Mark chapter one, verse 11 gives us this really cool picture. It says, and a voice from heaven said, and this is God's voice. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that so beautiful? You're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. This was God's voice. His father spoke over him, affirming his identity. You belong to me. And not only that, I, I smile and I have joy in my heart when I see you. So here's a question for you. Can the rejection of men rival the acceptance of God? Well, the answer is no, of course not. And here's the power of this truth for you. The Bible says that if you are a Christian, you are hidden in Christ with God. That's what the Bible says. So because of Jesus, that level of acceptance, that belonging and and pleasure of the father that we just heard expressed in this beautiful verse, it's your identity too. It belongs to you. Your father loves you. You are his child and you bring him great joy. Believe that today because that's really important. The second way that Jesus was able to continue on unfazed by rejection is that he knew his purpose. Jesus determined, hey, even if you guys don't accept me, I still know my purpose. I am a prophet. I'm here with my disciples. I'm a rabbi. I've been sent from above. I'm the Messiah. He did not agree with the rejection. He didn't embody it or allow it to become his ceiling. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know what, you guys, you know me. Okay, I guess, you know, cat's out of the, out of the bag here. You guys are right. I'm a nobody from nowhere who doesn't belong to anybody. You're right. No, 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 no. He left there, that place of rejection, and he went right on fulfilling his purpose. Man, somebody just needs to grab hold of that because somewhere along the line, someone said something that, and rejection has taken root in your life. And as a result, you have found yourself in a place where you have agreed with that rejection but you need to go right back. You need to go right back to fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. 
Don't allow rejection to win. Don't allow the enemy to relabel you. Choose like Jesus did to literally move right forward into the purpose of his ministry. And I wanna read this to you. We're gonna read the second part of verse six again and then into verse seven where you see it just kind of blossom. So he faces rejection. He says, man, you can call me whatever you want, but I'm the prophet of God. I'm the rabbi, I'm the Messiah. And you know what? I'll, I'll heal who will receive, but I can't do much when there's unbelief, but then I'm leaving here. And here's what it says. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he didn't even stop there. It wasn't just that he went out and said, fine, I'm just going to keep teaching. No, no, no. And right after this encounter, he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Can I just say, that's like a scissor kick to the face of the devil. That's what that is right there. Because he's saying, you know what? You're going to try to label me with something. No, no, no. I'm going to express the authority of God through my life. And I'm going to give that authority away to my disciples. I'm going to send them out two by two and they're going to cast you out, devil. And here's the deal. You might think that you're winning, but you have lost. Now that's how you defeat the power of rejection. And this is a pathway for you too. So today I just, I want to speak to you who are a Christian watching. Hear me now. You're a child of God. You're the joy of your father's heart. You are the dearly loved son or daughter. In fact, Romans 8.15 declares that you have been given the spirit of adoption. Let me tell you what that means. That is permanent binding acceptance. You are accepted, not rejected. You have been chosen, not rejected. You have been saved, not rejected, nor abandoned. But there's more. There's more. I got to read you one last verse as we're coming to the end here. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Did you see that? It's not just that God loves you and saves you. It's that he calls you. He calls you to live a life, a holy life. You're not just loved, you're chosen. You're not just chosen, you're called. When you face rejection, I want to encourage you, dig deeper into your identity. Dig deeper into your purpose. God has a plan for your life and it is to do good through you, to make a difference in someone else's life, to to make an impact in the kingdom of God. And you are not to be a victim of the rejection of man. You are to receive receive the identity of Christ in Jesus' name. That's what God has for you. I spoke this week with a friend who has experienced two major rejections back to back. And it started with her best friend, who was also her business partner. And, and they had worked together for years. And, her, and this person said to her, I just can't work with you anymore. I'm out. And that was devastating. And then within a matter of days, another call came from a friend, a friend who, you know, they had been engaged in ministry together, uh, done missions trips together, gone to church together, was also a client. And this person actually sent a video message saying, hey, just want to let you know, I'm not going to use you anymore. Thank you so much. Goodbye. And she said, I was gutted. 
And she said, I know it sounds crazy, but this so, this so hit me. Like it was so devastating to me that I literally just sat down. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I just looked at my husband and I said, because of the power of rejection at that moment, I said, you should, you should leave me too. Obviously I'm not worth staying with. I mean, when she was sharing this story with me, I was so impacted by that. It, it seems almost crazy that you could go from those kind of encounters to that kind of conclusion, but that's what rejection wants to do. And some of you have been powerfully victimized by rejection. Rejection really took root that day in her life. But then, begot, then God began to break through. God began to speak to her. And she chose to go away with the Lord and just get her Bible and just get truth in her heart. And she went away with God and she came back with one simple phrase. And it was this, love harder, love harder. It was what God was telling her to do. It was God reestablishing her purpose. In other words, start with your husband. This is what she was telling me. Instead of pulling away, anticipating more loss, love harder, press in. When you interact with that former business partner, partner, love harder, show compassion and care. And she said, I began to do this. I drew near to my husband and I, I, I felt joy and peace when I felt so much sadness and rejection before. And then I began to, you know, interact with that former business partner in a very healthy way, everything I can to help. And I began to show compassion and care. And she said, here's where the surprise came, more joy, more peace. But on top of all of that, the outcome was confidence. I just want you to hear that, confidence. Don't you see that in Jesus? He left the rejection. He went right out and said, fine, you guys don't want me. I'm going to go to the villages. I'm going to preach. And not only that, I'm going to send my disciples out. You see, it was a great confidence because he, Jesus, didn't accept the rejection, didn't embody the rejection. And that's what's happening right here with my friend. I'm telling you this story because she broke the power of those negative labels. So I'm at the end of my message now. And I just want to just land things here. Because I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in someone's life today. I, I just feel like there's someone who's watching and maybe there's many someones who are watching and, and you've suffered under the power of rejection, really suffered. You've got a story. Maybe it's not like the one I just told. Maybe it's similar. Maybe it's deeper. Maybe it's more personal. Maybe your rejection goes to what would feel like the very core of you and you have been relabeled. Maybe you're able to see where you've agreed with that label or maybe it's just become such second nature to you that it's just who you are now. But I really believe that the enemy has been lying to you, lying to you and telling you that you're something that you're not. And here's what I believe is gonna happen today. I'm gonna pray and pray with you right now. And as I pray, here's what I believe. I believe the power of rejection is gonna be broken in Jesus' name. And I'm going to believe that what's going to be replaced or at least elevated again for you is the identity of Christ in you and the purpose of God for you, that you are loved. You are a dearly loved 
son or daughter. You are the joy of your father's heart. And beyond that, you are called as well as saved. There's a purpose in your life. You've been chosen to do something and God wants to help you get back to your purpose. And so what can happen for you? I pray it's just like my friend where it's joy, it's peace, and it's confidence in Jesus' name. Will you let me pray for you, Father? I just thank you so much for this time we've had together in your word. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word to break loose what is bound up. We thank you, Jesus, that right now, you can begin to flood the heart, the soul, the mind of that one who has been suffering under the power of rejection. And I pray in the name of Jesus, that every assignment that the enemy has placed upon them would be broken in Jesus' name. And I'm asking if, if, you're, if you're not in that space, but you're just watching with me, would you agree with me right now? Yes, Lord, for our brothers and for our sisters, that you would break them loose in Jesus' name that COVID would not be marked by a further sense of rejection and isolation, but in Jesus' name, life would blossom, life would bloom. It would be spring, not just outside, but in the soul. We pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would allow that one who feels perplexed, that one who feels pain, that one who feels confused or lost or alone or completely abandoned. I pray that the presence of Jesus the Holy Spirit right now would flood their space, would flood their heart and their soul. And in Jesus' name, I believe right now, something has broken loose. The power of rejection is broken. And now Lord, flood their hearts and their minds. Flood their hearts and their minds with the truth that you give a new identity, a fresh purpose in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let this be a dramatic turning point for them. Yes, Lord, never to be the same again in Jesus' name. And I want to continue to pray, but there are those that have never allowed the power of Christ to work in their lives. Maybe you're watching and, and you're leaning in to what you're hearing, but you, you've never received the offer that Jesus gives us of adoption. You've never allowed Christ to become your savior. You're saved and called, but it starts with being saved. And so maybe right now you're saying, Andy, I want that permanent and binding acceptance. Here's how it comes to you. It comes by repenting of your past, leaving the past behind and moving forward with Jesus Christ, inviting Christ to be savior and Lord over your life. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're making that decision, pray this simple prayer with me right now. You can just repeat after me, Jesus, come into my life. I make you Savior and I make you Lord. I ask that you would remove the sting of sin from my life. I'm sorry for my past. Please give me a new future with you. I walk forward in your grace and I receive permanent and binding acceptance in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. So listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, if you made that decision and you wanted to pray that prayer, but you were just listening instead of praying it, you, that counts for you too. You're saying yes to God in the way that I just expressed it. We want you to do something. If you're watching at our church online platform, would you just click the hand that says, I want to accept Christ. 
If you're watching on another platform, then you're going to have this number that's going to be present for you. And it says text LIFE to this number right here. And if you'll do that, we're going to reach back to you. We want to start the conversation. We want to help you and we want to walk with you. We love you so much, every one of you. And I just believe God's doing a good work today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.